Welcome to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C, the academic entrepreneur. Some of the most successful stories in business started from failure, sometimes even multiple failures. The guests on our program have faced failure, learned to understand it, and have used it to their advantage. You can too. Get ready for success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Cheryl Lentz. And welcome back. This is Dr. C. I am the academic entrepreneur, and you're listening to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C. I hope you had the opportunity to be listening to some of the shows we've had over the past couple of months that we've been on the air. And we've had an interesting show with Mike and Angie in particular. And that's going to lead us into tonight's show. Because the question we're talking with Michael Palka and Angie Austin was the ability of what failures are you grateful for? And remember, we always start this show with the question. And tonight's question is, what did you fail the first time? And we're going to be having one of our guests who will join us after commercial break. Uh, Dr. Matt Arnhart is going to tell us about his interesting adventures in the role of higher education. And this will give us an opportunity of not everyone gets it right the first time. And I have shared my story with you that I almost didn't quite make it the first time. And the reason was because of what prompted this show. The ability to not understand failure. When I was in high school and I was number one in valedictorian and all the awards and everything came easy to me. Even when I was taking college level classes, if I didn't understand something, I just, you know, hired a tutor and off we went. There wasn't anything that eventually I couldn't master with a little bit of elbow grease. But when I went to college, suddenly everybody was like me. I instead of being this big fish in a small pond, I was a ripple in the ocean. And it was really difficult when things didn't come easy for me and things were a bit of a struggle and a big struggle that I was struggling just to stay on the dean's list, let alone get perfect straight A's. And it was a real comeuppance for me. Uh, When you have things that you're good at a lot of things in there, and it's not to brag, it's simply to be a description that... It was wonderful, you know, you're looking at the, the high school track star, right, or the high school football player, the, you know, the class debater, I was in marching band, I was this, I was that, and, and it was wonderful when you're in that small safety bit of high school, but suddenly you get into a Big Ten university and things change. And this is the part where I think we spend way too little time thinking and teaching about the idea of failure, And I know even in the real world, when I had my first job, I scared the heck out of most of my bosses when I would have to or suggest to them the types of strategies that I had had success for is teaching my people how to fail. And they would look at me going, now, come again, Cheryl, we want to be able to understand this. You want to teach your folks to fail. It's like, yeah, I want them to understand how not to do something. I want to get it all out of their system. I want them to go forward, make all the mistakes they want in the first couple of weeks when you're kind of a newbie and get it out of your system and that's it. And then we're going to go through and we're going to figure out how the most effective way, the right way. But we don't like that F word. We don't like that concept of failure. We don't like that ability that if we ask questions, it's seen as a sign of weakness. If we can't master something and it takes us, what did Malcolm Gladwell tell us? That it takes over 10,000 hours to be able to master something. Well, we didn't know this in high school. I certainly didn't. And I wasn't counseled when I started college with all of the issues that I had had because I was one of the top dogs in high school and everything came easy. And so they just assumed that that would naturally follow when we went to the, um, you know, the Big Ten University, and it didn't. And like what we're going to hear with Dr. Matt Earnhardt here, here when we come back from break, I almost didn't make it. 
partially because it was ego, it was psychology, it was the, oh my gosh, what do you do when you're used to getting straight A's and suddenly you're getting C's? And I remember my first D that will be imprinted in my mind forever. It was horrible. It was devastating. And here's the secret, and we're going to come back from break and talk about this. How do you cope with skills when you don't know how to cope with failure. We as academics in higher education have to learn how to be able to teach our uh, students to help them manage this so that it doesn't become the devastating issue that failure somehow has become. And so we're going to talk about, when we come back from break, again, Dr. Matt Earnhardt. He is a tenure-track assistant professor with the Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. So if you'll give us a few minutes to pay the bills here, we will be right back after break. And you're going to hear some interesting stories from a very fascinating man that's going to help us process how do you deal with failure in um, higher education. So stay with us. We'll be right back after these messages. I'm Dr. C. Fail Faster, Succeed Center. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Congratulations on obtaining your doctorate degree and your first university faculty position. Well done. The university expects you to publish, and you don't know where to begin. Contact the Refractive Thinker Team, the premier academic publishing house, where discriminating scholars publish with purpose. To learn more about the 16-time award-winning series just for doctoral scholars, contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or visit the website refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Are you a graduate or doctoral student pursuing your master's or doctorate degree? Do you continue to struggle with your writing to meet university expectations? Hire an award-winning editing and coaching team to help you earn that degree faster. We provide individualized programs to meet your unique needs. Graduation awaits. Call us to make your appointment today. The first call is free. Contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or at refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. To reach Dr. C or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl Lentz at gmail.com. Now, back to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. Here's Dr. C. And welcome back. This is Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C. And today, we are going to welcome a very unique colleague of mine. His name is Dr. Matt and Matthew Earnhardt. We call him Matt. Tenure-track professor at the College of Business at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Welcome, Matt. How are you? Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Terrific. We are thrilled because you have some interesting things to be able to share with us about your failure stories. I was very caught, uh, interested about your bio in there. So let's let our listeners get to know you just a little bit. Tell them the rest of your bio, and then we'll see where this conversation may lead. Sure. So, um, 
you know, a little outside my bio that's uh, listed is, uh, again, my name is Matt. I, um, I, as we'll get into, I had quite the story when it comes to uh, failing at school the first, uh, let's say, the first three times I attempted it, um, and then uh, eventually graduated and, and went into my position now, but I'm former military, and then I was a former analyst for uh, Lockheed Martin Corporation, also got to do some really cool business projects while I was there before going into education full-time. So started out at a community college, uh, teaching at a community college, because I really wanted to hone my craft at teaching, and taught at a bunch of other schools from a seminary all the way to a for-profit institution before uh, landing my dream job at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. So that's a little, that's the short version of my bio. Fabulous. Well, we're happy to have you, Matt, because this is something we have talked about with my colleagues often is the ability is how do you transition students to get into the how do you know what you want to do for the rest of your life? And when they're trying to find their place in this world, particularly in preparation for higher education, it's a daunting challenge. We don't often teach students how to go to school, and we certainly don't teach them about failure for fear of scaring them. So tell us a little bit about your path to perhaps inspire others that all is not lost if it doesn't happen the first time. Sure. So I started out at a, uh, well, you mentioned in your intro, a Big Ten school. Um, mine was not quite Big Ten, but it was uh, it was a prominent university in Florida. And uh, to be honest with you, my my time there was not a success. So my first semester, I had an A, a B, a C, and a D. And then my second semester, I had a C and then three Ds. Um, so after the first year, my parents said, "You're wasting our money and you're wasting our time. So your uh, your funding is caught off." And you know, rightfully so. I was. Um, I certainly was not taking classes as seriously as I could have, and I certainly was outmatched when it came to, uh, again, you mentioned in your intro being valedictorian and then going to, and I certainly wasn't valedictorian in my school, but going from valedictorian and being able to get through everything pretty easily to uh, to failing and um, not not being able to employ the same study habits that you had. So I, uh, I dropped out of school after the first year, and then I kind of uh, just floated a little bit and worked at worked at a retail store and did some uh, some cabinet and tile work on the side and when I say I did it I was uh, the, I swept the floor they didn't let me do anything more than that and took out the trash and I uh, got back into college and got me in community college and that's where things began to change for me. What was the difference, Matt? Do you put your finger on what exactly the failure was your first year? Because I have talked to many of the students who go the traditional route from directly in high school into uh, university, whether it's community college, whether it's, you know, Pac-10, Big Ten, you know, it doesn't matter. It's the fact of first being on your own and a lot of skills that are not taught outside of the classroom in terms of just content, meaning you go to school for, you know, writing 101 and English 101 and maybe math or comm or whatever it may be. But all those other class, those social skills, soft skills, if you will, taught outside of the classroom, you don't spend a whole lot of time on that until a few years into the hard school of hard knocks. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that when it comes to the students and, you know, uh, Cheryl, we, 
we have students of our own now that we that we're <laughs> trying to teach those skills to. But for me, it was you know I went and I'm out of my house for the first time, and you know it's a lot more fun to uh, go to a party down the hall than it is to uh, take the time studying for that midterm that's coming the next day. Um, and then nobody's waking me up in the morning and saying, "Hey, you have to go to class." And you know that's that's a tough transition for people, um, especially for me. I, uh, I had more fun riding uh, one of those little go-peds, which is a little motorized scooter um, around campus than I did going to class. And it was a, it was a tough lesson for me. So I think that learning those skills early in the high school or late in the high school experience and then learning those skills early in the college experience will definitely lead to success. And it's something, you know, if I had to do it over again, I'm, I'm proud of my experiences because it made me persevere. And again, when I got to that community college and I had a, a tough conversation with a professor there, it really made a difference in my life. And I I think that um, if I had to do it over again, I would have done the same thing because it certainly informs my teaching today. Well, part of the drumbeats that I've had throughout my career, I've been teaching almost 20 years now, which is hard to believe, is I think we do okay with teaching kids in the process, meaning we've got our students in our classrooms, in higher ed, be it community college, you know, whatever the classroom in there. But I don't think we do an adequate job of teaching kids how to go to school. And so I spend a lot of time teaching my students systems, you know, teaching the how do you manage your being your own project manager, as it will, particularly when I work with my doc students in there. It's like, you've got to systematize everything, how you go to school, how you study, how you're going to write your papers, how you're going to do a lot of things that we faculty sometimes expect our students to have those skills in the classroom. And if you don't, it can be a little bit of a start. So tell us about how you got back into the community ecology. What turned the corner that gave you that discipline and that motivation and that ability to go back and try it again? Yeah. So before I get there, I just love the notion of the systems approach. And you you know this as well, but instead of teaching things as a body of knowledge, we, we use a systems approach in our curriculum and they can see the interconnectedness of everything. And that even goes to, um, you know, general life skills and how to be successful in college as well. But for me, when I went to the community college, again, I was sweeping floors and working at a retailer and doing all these things, but I certainly wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I was in a general psych class and I retook it um, because I got a D in it at the other school I went to. And I'm sitting there in the classroom and one day the professor says, hey, stay after class, Matt. And I did. And she gave me probably the best piece of advice that I've ever heard, which was, Matt, you can succeed. You can do anything you want if you would just try, if you would just, you know, put forth the effort, if you would just be the man that you're going to be, that you're supposed to be. And that really struck me. And for the rest of my life, from a 19-year-old kid until now I'm 39, that, that advice has really stuck with me. And I think of it often. And a matter of fact, I don't know if you know um, the story, Cheryl, but I actually reached out to that professor. I found her name, uh, went back to my old community college, found her name and called her about six months ago and told her what impact she's had in my life. And it was, uh, it was a very tearful conversation but uh, it's one that set me on the right path, and I'm forever grateful to her. That is amazing. I actually did that with one of my high school teachers because I know now, having taught as long as I have, that we don't know when our if or when our words might land. It could be months before a student processes it. It could be that difficult conversation that we know we have to have 
For example, when I was in college, and my listeners know this, is that my junior year, I was supposed to be a performance major. I was supposed to be this, you know, kid wonder that I was the only undergrad in a graduate program at the University of Illinois, and come my junior year, my professor told me to find a new line of work. And it was the second comeuppance in my life, the fact that I was told, you're not good enough, and you ain't going to make it. And to me, now, his bedside manner probably left a little bit to be desired, but if you had the one person's opinion to get, his was it. And so it looks at the ability going, what happens when we, as the mentor in the classroom, have to take an interest to be able to help guide these young folks who don't know what they're going to be for the rest of their lives and to make that impression upon them to help them be a functioning member of society. And you often wonder, my high school teacher said the same thing that your your college prof would have been, is a you don't know what impact you have until you see where they might end up later in life. And that is a long way to wait for feedback. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you were talking, it reminded me of, and I don't know if you've seen this TED Talk, but I would certainly encourage all your listeners to spend seven minutes listening to it. It's called Lollipop Moments by Drew Dudley. And in it, he talks about, you know, if you make a significant difference in others' life, you should take the time to tell them. So your story of telling your high school teacher, and then maybe even my story of telling my college professor uh, what impact they made, you know, it really makes a big difference. And as you said, you don't know where, when your words are going to land and, and uh, what difference they're going to make in people's lives. And it certainly made an impact in my life. Well, I've learned over the years uh, that it takes sometimes two to three years for some of my students who might not have been my biggest fan because I had to tell them things they needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. And my point is I'd love all of my students to like me. I'd love all of my students to love me, but I'll settle for them respecting me for the fact that I'm trying to be able to put them on that path that's going to be successful. And some of them failed a whole lot of times to get there until that one word, that one afternoon, that one defining moment, suddenly the light bulb came on and they're like, oh my gosh, I get it. And they have often told me that voice that I become in their head and I tell them eventually when you graduate, I'll move out, especially my doc students. But that's that impression of taking an interest and knowing that they've moved from invisible to visible and that somebody cares about their future, even though sometimes it might be tough love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said it very well. Um, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about us empowering students to make their own choices and make their own decisions. And, you know, we certainly can't coddle students in doing that. So if there's any students that are listening right now, one thing I would say to them is, you know, you may think that professor is mean, but he or she is just trying to make you succeed. Exactly. And the idea is I tell my students often is I'd rather have the ability to look at this in the classroom when you're still in the safety net. I can still, it's only your grade that's on the line, not your paycheck, not your job, not your career, not that promotion. Because there are some students in my classroom, they just can't see the connection of their performance in the classroom and their inability to get promoted. And I will be the first one to be able to say, if you're willing to have me tell you and share with you. I need your permission because you're not going to probably like what I'm going to tell you, but it may change the course of history. I remember my professor that junior year was the thing I hadn't planned on, Matt. I was supposed to be a performance major and I was supposed to be doing all these things until that roadblock hit and he says, you're not going forward, find another line of work. I was devastated. I had never thought of not having another option. And now in hindsight, he put me on a path that 
has been forever changed and been very successful for me. But I often wondered if I would have kept in brute force and kept doing, you know, the putting 10 pounds in a five pound bag and keep doing the definition of insanity, right, is to keep doing things and expect different results. He probably saved me from a life of being another starving artist that just wasn't going to make it because I had to be honest. Now, I can tell you that at 19, I was less than gracious. Uh, It took a little while to learn that what he gave me was the biggest gift of my life. I didn't recognize it until many, many years later. But that failure was probably the kindest thing he could have done if he could have been kinder doing it. But it was still, it changed the whole entire trajectory of my life. But it took me a little while for the maturity to catch up. Right. And, you know, that's that's an interesting point because I think... um, you even look at Lance Armstrong's story, who was a man who had success his whole uh, life and then fell from grace and uh, had to learn how to deal with failure. It's something that we all have to deal with, this failure and not succeeding. But how does it define us moving into the future, I think, is the question that we need to answer. Is Are we going to let our failure keep us down, or are we going to rise above it from uh, from a con- failure at a school to a community college professor it tells you something all the way up through a doctorate degree um what are what are we going to do with those failures and how are we going to let them define us and be successful just like you have and and others have absolutely and i think that's that one little word that we've talked about on this program often called y-e-t failure isn't failure until we become permanent failure is not an outcome Failure is something that we can turn around to help motivate us going forward, and therein lies the challenge. So we're going to stop there and take a break and pay the bills a little bit, and then we will come back and have the rest of the story with Dr. Matt, and we will continue the conversation of how do we move forward in those defining moments to be able to turn failure into success. So we will be right back again. I'm Dr. C. Fail faster, succeed sooner, and we're talking with Dr. Matt Earnhardt. We'll be back in just a few moments. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a graduate or doctoral student pursuing your master's or doctorate degree? Do you continue to struggle with your writing to meet university expectations? Hire an award-winning editing and coaching team to help you earn that degree faster. We provide individualized programs to meet your unique needs. Graduation awaits. Call us to make your appointment today. The first call is free. Contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or at refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Congratulations on obtaining your doctorate degree and your first university faculty position. Well done. The university expects you to publish and you don't know where to begin. Contact the Refractive Thinker Team, the premier academic publishing house, where discriminating scholars publish with purpose. To learn more about the 16-time award-winning series just for doctoral scholars, contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or visit the website refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You're tuned in to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. To reach Dr. C or her guest today, 
please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl Lentz at gmail.com. Now, back to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. Here's Dr. C. back. This is Dr. Cheryl Lentz and you're listening to Fail Faster Succeed Sooner and we're going to look at the other side of the opportunity here. Instead of talking about just the F word and the infamous failure, we're going to look at, let's talk about the success side of the equation. So we're going to go back to to Dr. Matt here and we're going to look at, tell us where you are now that those inspirational moments, you didn't stay there. You moved on, and now you're a tenure-track professor. You're at your dream job. Tell us how you were able to turn it around and to get to where you are so we can take that part of the story to our listeners. Yeah, thank you. So, um, you know, after that community college experience, one of the things that I knew is I had to make a change in life. And I was looking at different options since my parents basically cut off the funding. And I thought a good option would be to go in the military so I could uh, learn some skills and then also get the funding I needed to continue my education. And uh, just to make a very long story short, I ended up getting all the way through part of my doctoral work on the GI Bill and uh, through tuition assistance program and uh, was able to finish my doctorate in a short eight years after beginning. So I uh, I flew through my coursework and um, it had that, that professor's voice ringing in my head, if only you try, you can succeed. And uh, it's, it's really made a big difference in my life. And as I said, I wanted to give back and I wanted to learn how to teach. So I went to a community college and gave that same advice to many, to many, many, many students who are now um, very successful. And then, as you said, landed my dream job at Embry-Riddle where I'm a uh, where I'm, again, trying to succeed and live up to those expectations that Professor gave me many, many years ago. Isn't that amazing how even to this day that little voice is in your head? I'm still very much in touch with my doctoral mentor, and I can still hear his voice. And I remember that fateful day when the student suddenly became the teacher. And I remember when my mentor came to me for advice, and suddenly now I became the voice in the minds of my students. And to me, that was a bit daunting and a bit, you thought that day would never come, and now I find myself more than, oh gosh, 14 years or so past that point, and now I have more than 54 graduates and all these things, and it was just a, but it had to start with that first step, and therein lies the beginning. So can you, was that the only defining moment that you had with that professor, or were there others along the way that kept you in the game? Sure, yeah. So I remember when I was going through my doctoral program, I had a professor, um, and he told me that his life goal was for me to fail out of the program. So uh, certainly that was a defining moment as well. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so glad you disappointed him, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the funny part about that is uh, as I was walking across the stage getting hooded, he was the one hooding me. And, you know, the smart aleck I am went right up to him and said, well, I guess you failed at your life goal, didn't you? 
and uh, we we both got a chuckle out of that. So, um, so yeah, no, that was another defining moment in my life. And then, you know, we find people along the way. So one of my favorite quotes is, if I've seen further than others, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. And that's Isaac Newton said that. And it's true that we, we barely get to where we're at without help along the way, whether it's a mentor at work or whether it's um, somebody who says something that really lights a fire under you. Um, there's, there's people all along the way that make a difference in your life, and it certainly has been true in my life as well. Matt, do you think you can actually say you're grateful for that failure? Oh, absolutely. I think that I wouldn't be where I am today without that failure and learning how to persevere through it. And I think that's something that a lot of students need to learn as well is, hey, you got a C on an assignment. Your life is not coming to an end. You can overcome that C on that assignment or that C in that class, and you can be successful. Learn from it and grow from it and then move on. And I think that's uh, a lesson we all need to learn sometimes is when life uh, sets you back a little bit, it's being able to pick up those pieces and learn from them and be successful moving forward. And that's the piece that I think what I do a lot with my students in terms of teaching them systems is we all have a system for whatever it is we do. We have a system for how we brush our teeth in the morning. We have a system for how we drive our cars. We have our systems for everything we do. And yet students don't always think of the how do you be successful system. And the ability to do just that is knowing that failure isn't catastrophic unless we stop. You know, it's the getting up one more time than when you got knocked down. Can you imagine we wouldn't have light today if Edison gave up at 798 when it took 898 to be able to get that light bulb to work? Or Formula 409, what if they would have given up at Formula 407, right? So the idea is how do you keep motivated and what do you do for your students now that you've gone through that experience? Because I know it it permeates my teaching to be able to share with them because I can recognize it early, (laughs) Yeah, no, I and I agree with you. I think one of the things that is important is, you know, what gets me motivated now is my students, right, and seeing their struggles and seeing their successes. And one of the things that inspires me is being able to share my story in the classroom and show them that they can do it. I, I may be a little rah-rah for a few of my students, but I know many of them appreciate it as well as the fact that they know that they're not in the struggle alone. And, you know, Cheryl, with you, I know you um, – have had that similar experience where you're all about helping people succeed. And I think that's what really motivates me is now being that if I might not be, if I may not be too presumptuous, being that giant that people can stand on the shoulders of now to help them succeed. So that's my motivation. And then as far as their motivation, one of the things I like to do is remind them why they went to school the first time. So one of the things that really helps me is thinking about what my motivation was for going and getting a degree and getting on this path I'm on now. And I remind them of that as well as who are you doing this degree for? Because it's probably not for yourself. It may be for your kids. It may be for your spouse or maybe for your parents, but you're doing this degree for somebody and don't lose sight of that as you're going through your experience. Absolutely. And that's part of what we've talked about on the show many times is the why that makes you cry, the why you're doing this, because that's going to get you through when you constantly, I will tell my students, put that on the picture. And I don't care what it, the bribe might be, whether it's the doctor title, whether it's the big you know, grand gesture that you get, whether it's fulfilling a life dream, you have to have that motivation that's going to keep you going when the going gets tough. Because I like to tell my students, I'm not above or below you. I'm just ahead of you in the process. And if you follow in someone's footsteps, it's going to make it easier than trying to blaze your own trail. 
but it's getting the students to realize we've been there. We didn't come out of the womb with a doctorate. I, we had to start exactly where they were in that seat. Some of us with a little rockier start than others, as you and I have seen. And that sometimes they think the more we have to overcome is the reason why we overcome it to begin with. Absolutely. You know, Cheryl, you reminded me when I, the first day of my doctoral program, I was going to quit. And one of the best, another best piece of advice I've ever been given is, uh, is my old dean who uh, made the comment that his favorite color was winter. I mean, he is not known for being a wonderfully warm guy. And uh, he pulled me aside and he said, hey, remember, you don't have your degree yet. You're learning and working toward your degree. And I think that was an important distinction for me as well. I didn't have to go into doctoral program or in my bachelor's program or my master's program thinking I knew it all because I didn't. And it was okay that I didn't know it all. I learned through the process. And I think that's another important distinction for students or really for anybody in life is, hey, you're going to be constantly learning, whether you're in a business or whether you're in school. You're constantly learning. You're constantly growing. And you don't have to know all the answers day one. I remember one of the advice I had from one of my doctoral professors who had said that the he who asked the question is in control. And the fact that we have to look at what our search of the answers are in terms of asking the right questions, not looking for the right answers. Because I will tell you, I was very disappointed in my doctorate program thinking that it was going to be harder than it was simply because I was expecting to have all the answers to the world. And by the time I got there, somebody changed the questions. And I was thinking, wow, I didn't realize how much I didn't know and how much I still wanted to learn as a result of the doctorate program. So when I graduated, I definitely had more questions than answers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I certainly have more questions now through my research and through everything else that's going on. I, I, uh, I realize how much I really don't know, even though I think I know a couple of things I really don't. Exactly. So let's talk about this coaching, coaching initiative in terms of putting our experiences to work. Because one of my students said something the other day, and I don't think I'll ever forget it, was we were talking about businesses. And you know, I've owned my own business here for over 10 years. And it was such a, Doxy, you've been there. You can tell us. You didn't read it out of a book. You've actually lived it. I'm like, yep, the good, the bad, the ugly, the failures, and the triumphs. And having professors that have that business experience gives them the abilities. We're not doing train the trainer here. We are, we're teaching from the trenches. And we're teaching you. And sometimes, I swear, they get more inspiration from my failures than my successes. It's a little bit daunting. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So you alluded to our coaching program, and uh, it's part of our LEAD initiative, which stands for Learn, Engage, Achieve, and Develop. And that that program has three main components right now. One is immersive curriculum, um, where we're incorporating leadership uh, principles into our curriculum. One is uh, part of podcasting, uh, where we're podcasting and putting those um, podcasts with business leaders into our classes. And then our third uh, third part is coaching, and that's what you just mentioned. And the coaching initiative, really what it's about is giving students six months of free um, free coaching. Now, we say it's free, but it's really no cost other than time. And you're paired with a faculty coach who's been certified in coaching, and that person will spend six months working with you every other week for an hour on anything you want to talk about, whether it's academic or life coaching, or business coaching. And 
what's neat about that is we, we as coaches believe that students have the answers within themselves. But it's nice when we do have the opportunity to share a little bit when, when um, they ask for, for our um, opinion or during the coaching experience when we ask the question, may I share something? Uh, it, it's neat to be able to draw on our experiences, as you just mentioned, and then in the debrief afterwards to be able to talk about those experiences. But this coaching pro- program has been incredibly successful. And uh, matter of fact, I did a session yesterday and the person said to me, wow, I didn't realize that I really had the answers within myself and you helped me bring them out. Um, so this is just a great program for our students and really a benefit for everybody. I, I'll tell you, Cheryl, and I'm sure you feel the same way. I wish I would have had a coach going through that first year at that university because I think if I would have, I wouldn't have had C's and D's. Oh, absolutely. I always like to tell people, I figured college out my spring year, my spring semester of my senior year. I'm going, well, gee, that, you know, what I would have been able to do had I been able to know this my freshman year. And so it obviously helped me in my master's program and eventually my doctorate program, which is why I've created a systems training out of that so that we can look at how we do things so that we can get better. Because I know student writing is one of our biggest challenges, right? And so our student writers are, if it's not getting any easier, it tells me they don't have a system. And particularly for military writers in particular, which are very different than simply mainstream students, that when you teach them the system, I've had one, they're going, that's it. I'm like, that's it. All we have to do is build that bridge to what they already know and teach them a few little coping skills and a few little system skills. And they have that key in the lock and it opens up this entire world for them and they're like why didn't someone teach me that and I don't know why that is because we do expect them to figure it out but boy if we could do just a little bit of that coaching along the way they'd get there a whole lot faster with a whole lot less stress in my opinion yeah no I agree with you again I agree with you I think that the coaching really does help uh, help them focus in and coalesce their thoughts around one idea whether that's how to become a better writer or whether that's how to handle a difficult situation at work. Anytime we can think through things, it's, it's a good thing. You, you know, one of the things that I like to tell when we go into the coaching experience is, uh, do you, you, you've moved Cheryl, haven't you? And you've run 38 into times and oh, counting. Okay. So, <laughs> so do, do you know what that, that thing above the cab is called in a U-Haul? You know the little part that hangs over the the cab of the of the truck. Oh, you mean like the the where that? Um, oh yes, I do know this. Oh my gosh, I've had that truck in there. It looks like a little bed that somebody have that goes over in there. But um, it, in the interest of time, tell them because I, I would take me a while to come up with it. Yeah, so it's called the mom's addict or grandma's addict, and. Up in the grandma's attic, you put all your valuables, right? You put all your valuables, and then you'll shove some mattresses in there, and you'll put some things behind it, and uh, you'll you'll protect those valuables a lot. And then right before you shut the door, you throw in all your brooms and your vacuum cleaners and that um, that grill cover you forgot to pack and all the stuff that when you open up your door after moving, all that stuff falls out. And coaching is pretty much like that as well, where where you open up the door and your first idea is all that junk falls out. And eventually, after thinking through things and reflecting on them and talking them through, you get back to that valuable section, that mama's addict or that grandma's addict, and all your great ideas come out. And then that's where you can take those great ideas and apply them to your life or apply them to your academic experience or apply them to your work. And uh, I think that serves, and I wish I could take credit for 
for that, but it wasn't me who came up with that. But I think that serves as a great analogy as to why coaching is important and how that can really help students in their uh, academic experience. Outstanding. Okay, well, as we bring this segment to a close, we want to be able to thank Dr. Matt Earnhardt of Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And let me make sure that my uh, listeners can get in touch with you. What's your contact information, Matt, so they can continue the conversation should they so choose? Sure, yeah. So I would love to continue the conversation, and I uh, recommend that anybody contact me by email. That's E-A-R-N-H-A-R-M at erau.edu. So that's, it's basically, um, our, uh, our IT department had a sense of humor. It's earn harm at erau.edu. And my phone number is area code 386-603-3035. So I would love to hear from anybody who, who has some questions or if there's anything I can do to help them. And Cheryl, I just want to thank you for your time today and inviting me on your program. Terrific. Well, we have been listening to Dr. Matt Earnhardt from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. If you will stay, give us a few minutes to pay the bills, and you'll come back, and we'll end the show for you. But, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. We're so grateful to have you here and to have learned your words of wisdom in there. So, guys, if you'll just stay tuned, we'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Congratulations on obtaining your doctorate degree and your first university faculty position. Well done. The university expects you to publish and you don't know where to begin. Contact the Refractive Thinker Team, the premier academic publishing house, where discriminating scholars publish with purpose. To learn more about the 16-time award-winning series just for doctoral scholars, contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or visit the website refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Are you a graduate or doctoral student pursuing your master's or doctorate degree? Do you continue to struggle with your writing to meet university expectations? Hire an award-winning editing and coaching team to help you earn that degree faster. We provide individualized programs to meet your unique needs. Graduation awaits. Call us to make your appointment today. The first call is free. Contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or at refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. To reach Dr. C or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl Lentz at gmail.com. Now, back to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. Here's Dr. C. And welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. C, and it's been an interesting and enlightening experience to talk with Dr. Matt today. Part of it is... I think we don't offer our failure stories as much as we might. I'm always amazed that my students seem to find more inspiration in what I screwed up and what I didn't do and what I failed at than some of the things that I've done well. And I remember that um, 
one of my students said, because I, I have all these videos that I do, and if you know my YouTube channel, it's just youtube.com, Dr. Cheryl Lentz, and I have my blogs that I have, dissertationpublishing.com, and, and all of those that there's oh, hundreds of videos and, and hundreds of blogs. But it was kind of funny when my student once said, because, Doc, see, we like it when you're less than perfect, because then it gives us hope that we can be like you someday. And that really struck gold with me, because it was something of a, we need to see us, the students need to see that there's a crack in the armor, that we didn't come out polished in a three-piece suit and four-inch heels and being in the classroom all polished. I mean, I'd hope I'd know my craft after 20 years of teaching. However, when they see us and they see our less than stellar moments, like Matt and I have shared here today, where we almost didn't make it through college. I remember my first year was rough. I mean, it was just not what I expected. I almost didn't go back. It was the hitting a wall that I couldn't get over. And yet, when I finally made it through that wall, it was the next three years were the most amazing of my life, bar none. And so the question is, I didn't stay a failure, but I certainly fail big, go big or go home. And so we want to be able to look at that, taking the ability to be vulnerable with your students. I don't want to always tell them the good, the bad, and the completely ugly because I don't want to scare them. But when the ugly comes up in classroom, I want to help inspire them going, you know what, I didn't come out of the womb this perfect. I have all of the... the imperfections, the challenges, the failures, whether as a college professor, whether as a human being, whether as a marriage that failed, whether as a business that struggled. But the fact is, I'm still here. Ten years after the fact, my business is still here and thriving. And since 50% of businesses typically go out of business the first three to five years, and the fact that I have a woman-owned business on top of it all is a, a miracle of miracles. I'm the first one in my family to have a, a own their own business. And so it's a miracle in there and the first doctor in the family. And this is a an interesting opportunity and a journey I've been on, but it has not been without failure. It has not been without skin skin knees and bruised egos and and difficult emotional things that I've had to go to others and hire business coaches and hire friends to be able to teach me how to fail. And that's been the premise of this radio show, is we expect you to know how to succeed. We expect you to know how to fail. And if you don't know how to fail, one implies the other. And that's where I think as a higher higher ed educator that this is something that I think we need to do a little bit about putting that nose under the tent a little bit and getting a glimpse into things we don't do so well, things that didn't go right so well. How many shows we've done so far that is a find your passion and figure out a way to become great at it. But in order to get great at it, you're going to fail. You're going to fall down. You're going to skin your knee. You're going to bruise your ego. You're going to have those emotional moments. You're going to have a lot of people that are come in and out of your life. And there are some interesting cliches that are on there. Remember, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. I've had amazing opportunities in my life where that teacher just suddenly showed up. And it was like, oh my gosh, saying the right thing at the right moment and that right inspiration that kept me going, like Matt was saying, that perseverance to get up one more time than knock you down. That words of wisdom that we as an educator Somehow we don't know always when those words will land, but some of my students have come back to me years later, the same way Matt's story was, is 
I said something that was inspirational to them. I connected with them. I, I was able to tug at their heartstrings. I was able to give them something they needed in that moment. Sometimes it's not always the pleasant things. Like my junior year, it was devastating when my professor told me to find another line of work. And it was just he didn't have a good bedside manner, but I know now it was done with love and kindness, and it was the greatest gift of my life, or I could have been just another starving musician. When I had to face facts, I wasn't as good as I thought I was, and I certainly wasn't as good as I needed to be. And I have those conversations with my students sometime, but I love the fact that Matt was asking about his lead program and being able to ask permission. You have to know if somebody is willing to hear you when you have to tell them that things aren't so good. That maybe you do need to find a line of work. Maybe you knew need to drop out and, and retool and do some extra training and go some extra schooling. And we're not telling you you can't do it forever, but you've got to make some choices. And life is not always about having all the ideal choices available. It's about what do you do with what you have? And are you going to stick it out? Are you going to be the Formula 409 or are you the Formula 406 that no one ever knew about? So how do you live up to your potential if you're not willing to fail to figure out where that line is. I know many of the things that I've had is go big or go home is I have failed, but only after I crossed the line, not before. And we as faculty try to be able to help our students uh, to get there faster and to help them explore things with maybe less of a bruised knee. Maybe they won't have to touch the stove and to know that it's hot. Maybe they'll learn from the mistakes that we've had, so they'll make their own, but they won't be as devastating. They won't be as as difficult. They won't be as trying. They won't be as a, what am I going to do when it seems that the world has ended as I know it? And sometimes in those moments, those desperate three o'clock in the morning, tears, no one's there to hear you scream, that the epiphany comes and the sun comes out in the morning and the path before you becomes illuminated. And you start seeing that trail of breadcrumbs, and then you're like, I get it. This is where I'm supposed to be. But we don't come out of the womb often knowing that. I envy people who knew that from the time they were four years old, they were going to be a doctor. Or the time they were, you know, seven years old, they were going to be a fireman. I had no idea. Um, And part of that is because I was not challenged by any of the things that I was, at least in high school, that I did most of them well. And so there wasn't this path that suddenly, you know, dropped myself on and said, this is it, right? And so I had to figure that out, and I'm still figuring that out, even at the age of 51, that I'm still looking at the opportunity of going, what's next? What do we need to do to leave this world a little better than we found it? And so my calling is is to help teach others, and I really want to have that passion about systems. I don't need everyone to reinvent that wheel. I don't need to have them reinvent that heartache. Remember, we have a choice. You can follow in the footsteps of others, or in Matt's words, to live on the shoulders of giants. And now, I now, where at one time I was the asking for a hand up from my mentors and the people ahead of me, now I'm the one being able to offer a hand up to those who are following me. And that is the biggest honor and biggest responsibility to know that in my most vulnerable moments, that I have helped others simply because I have had the courage to go first. I've had the courage to fail and fail I have in many areas in order to be able to teach others that they might look to me as like, yeah, things may not always work, but guess what? I'm still here. I'm still a college professor after 20 years. I still have a business after 10 years. I'm 
still looking for the secrets of how to continue to go because I still have failures. It's not something that you just fail once and forget about it. Failures continue to happen, but it's the idea of being open to these opportunities and being able to see the possibilities because failure typically shuts us down and being able to tell us what we can't do and maybe that simply changes our path. Remember we were talking with uh, Mike and Angie about my favorite with Alice in Wonderland and the Cheshire Cat when Alice goes to the fork in the road and asks the Cheshire Cat, which way do I go? And the Cheshire Cat goes back to her and an iconic answer of all times, if you don't know where you're going, any path will do. And so the journey is the destination to find that path and perhaps it might even be a path less traveled. Or in some cases, a path that you must travel even to find out that that's not the way forward. And in my case, it was a hard path for me. But I don't think as much of a smart aleck I was in the early years of 19 that I would have taken anywhere to have somebody tell me I had to go through the process and realize, yeah, I knew that I wasn't good enough. And that I could still play and maybe still have done the part-time thing, but it's a, that's not where my sights were. And so that path in the Cheshire Cat is, I had to find a new path. I had to find a new way to go forward. And this is what we as higher educators or any educators, be it a kindergarten teacher, be it a community college, being undergrad, grad, doctorate, or several more. Heck, if I had the money, I'd go back for school many, many times. And so there is just so much to learn, but with learning comes risk. With learning comes the ability to look at what we may not know. And as I discovered during my doctoral journey is I had more questions than answers. It was as if somehow I thought that I would have the entire secret of the universe by the time I graduated. And when I graduated, all I had was more questions. So let me invite you, based on all that you've heard on our radio show so far, is to make friends with failure, to understand that life is a risk. And in order to get the big reward, you've got to be willing to take the big risk. And sometimes you're going to fail getting there. And you just have to understand that's just part of the process. So we want to make sure that you come back each and every week to be able to look at fail faster, succeed sooner, and to see if we can't find a system to do this more quickly, to have it less emotional, less devastating, less taking you out, and less being up at three in the morning and crying your eyes out. So I want you to make sure that you continue the conversation with and listen to us on iTunes if you can't catch us live every week in there. Go back and tell us about what you think of us on our Facebook page and our failfastersucceedsooner.com page and email me at drsherylens.com and find a way to connect because we as an educator, we want to know what do we say that connects with you? What are the words that land? What is that three feet from gold as Greg Reed would say? to be able to give you that unbelievable inspiration to help you continue to go forward and just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again, but wiser and more brilliant the next time. The ability to see some of those potholes the next time, to take the time to see what you've done, what worked, what didn't, what might, what will And to have that opportunity to be able to see failure as the greatest gift you might ever have. Notice the guests we've had the last few shows and how much they loved and appreciated and learned to absolutely think it was the most greatest thing in the world that they failed. That's a hard thing to say with that F word. 
So I want you to embrace what that might look like for you, to look at the gift that failure brings and to see if you can't just look at it as simply just another blip on the radar, another thing that you have to master, another keep doing it until you get it right, but to try and be gracious and gallant and courageous as you go through taking those steps forward because every time you fail, sometimes it gets a little easier Sometimes it still gets a little harder. So I just want you to always believe in yourself the way we as your educators do. And sometimes it's tough love. Sometimes it's a we couldn't be more prouder when we become that voice in your head to know that someday, some way, you're going to move forward. So I want to say thank you for joining us. And thank you, Dr. Matt Earnhardt from Embry-Riddle University for joining us today. But I want you to commit this to heart, commit this to taking that stand fail faster, succeed sooner, and do it with a smile on your face and a song in your heart. I'm Dr. Cheryl Lentz. I'm known as the academic entrepreneur, and it's a privilege to come to you each and every week to share with you these terrific stories from some of our wonderful leaders who are just a little bit ahead of us in the process. Learn from them. Embrace them. Perhaps you'll even be inspired by them so that you, too, will have your own success story. So thanks for joining me. I'm Dr. C. Fail faster, succeed sooner. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us this week for Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C, the academic entrepreneur. Dr. Cheryl Lentz invites you to listen again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's time for you to find your success. We'll talk again next week.